The Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Ore Cycling Apparel. They make great fitting pro-level cycling kit made with coffee grounds, so that's eco-friendly as well. And five trees are planted with the purchase of every garment. If you're out and about and want to be seen in some good-looking cycling kit, go check out www.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger and I am very lucky to be joined on this occasion by uh, Head of Sport, I believe, at Cycling Australia. Maybe Kip will correct me on his actual title, uh, Kip, Kip Kaufman. Uh, Kip, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, I f- I'll share with you my first um, meeting with Kip. Um, it was at the Tour of East Gippsland and Kip was the CEO of Cycling Victoria at that stage and... The first side of him was wrangling banners and sponsorship signage at the Tour of East Gippsland, which was threatening to blow away. And I thought to myself, OK, this is, a, this is one of those administrators that gets down and dirty and isn't afraid to help out where necessary. And uh, that made a very favourable impression with me at the time. I consider Kip one of the good guys in cycling, and it's, yeah, it's an honour of sorts to have him on the podcast oh well that's too kind honestly i think uh we all just have you know there's so many riders out there that do such a great job and we're really here to help them doesn't matter what you have to do whether it's um at what level we're really here to help service those people out there our members those riders and um whatever you have to do to get it done that's what you have to do but certainly there's so many good people out in the cycling community who do so much more than I'll ever do in their lifetime so um, if we can live up to a little bit of of what those people put in then we've done a good job. Yeah that's a similar philosophy to what I take into um, doing journalism in regards to the sport because you know the people out there putting in so much effort and into something they're passionate about and I'm passionate about and it's just about amplifying that as much as possible in your case though you're you've brought um, a new di- well not a new direction but maybe just an increased increased focus on what what we should be doing as part of a as part of our sporting context in cycling and uh, kind of refocusing some areas and um, streamlining others so we've seen for instance a new national road race schedule um, how do you think that's gone so far? Well, I think we've stuck to our strategy, and I think um, we're starting to roll it out. I think there's parts that'll remain to be seen, um, but we have to be flexible enough. to. We've talked a lot with the teams and what they want. We've talked a lot with the organizers and what they want. So we've brought that out. We're trying. It's a slow process to change a whole uh, set of calendars and, and uh, cultures and different how councils invest in events and all of those things. But we're certainly having some successes. Uh, we'll continue to continue the dialogue. We don't think we have it perfect by any means right now, but we think we're on the right track. Again, if we stumble, hopefully we'll admit it and we'll keep improving. So it is all about continual improvement. I think we have a good vision of where we want to be, but we're at least not falling off the cliff anymore. I think we're, we've stabilized and started to go up again, and I think everyone's acknowledging that. And it seems a lot more positive, the talk around the NRS in particular at the moment. I've found that more, one of the team owners actually came up to me at the, uh, at the feed, in the feed zone of Nationals and, and said, I'm actually really looking forward to this, ro- to this racing schedule that, that's coming up. It looks like a really good calendar. And yeah, so you're creating a bit more positivity within the cycling community. 
I think that's what there was at one point. You may recall there was a lot of excitement around the NRS, and I think that's what actually makes it build. It's there's it's almost like those people who do so much in the cycling community. When we're able to engage them and get excited, that's when sponsors uh, want to be involved. That's when people are out creating teams. The people who are creating teams are doing it out of their love. They're not making money. They're doing it because they love it. A lot of the organizers are doing the same thing. So if they're excited and they're engaged, they're going to bring more people on the journey with them, and that's what's going to make the series a lot better. Obviously, the challenge is getting the, all the people who watch the Tour de France casually, uh, and they you know they come in for that one race a year, and exposing them to the Australian scene because we've got a great product, we've got some great athletes, and you know they go we take races to really picturesque locations. Um, is is that possible? Do you think to engage that sort of um, more casual viewer in in the local scene? I think we need to. We um, are trying to do that. I think we hit that a couple times last year with some of the streaming that was done. But being able to get it right in front of them, market it better, get bigger budgets and sponsors so that we can we can make sure that that gets more mainstream coverage. Uh, we need to do a lot more of that. Uh, so I think it's po- we have to believe it's possible. Otherwise, what I guess, uh, what are we doing? Just being fine with the current status quo? I do believe it's there. I do believe there's... Um, uh, interest in that we just have to keep uh, keep building and building and I think we've started to take those steps but there is still a ways to go and we acknowledge that. Uh, we're sitting here at the finish for the time trials and it's the men's time trial at the moment. How has how the national championships gone from your perspective? Yeah we've been really happy with the whole championships. I think we've seen uh, a lot of uh, first our, our improvements so we, we had a I think it was a 20% increase in total participation across the event. Uh, and that's not including the new community events, which um, which brought in hundreds of people. We've seen uh, great numbers of spectators, especially on the Friday, Saturday. Uh, those were big increases in spectators. Um, we've seen, uh, I guess, a huge media interest. The, the Courier yesterday, I think, was over half of it was about the event. Real um, excitement for this event, the partners, uh, Fed Uni, the City of Ballarat, the state government are so excited about how well the events come off and how much it's grown. So, so we're really happy with it. But that doesn't mean it's stagnated. We, all, I, I think, I already have a list of things we want to improve upon, think about differently, and uh, excite people for next year. Um, probably the biggest shift is moving the time trials to the Tuesday after the road race um, from where they were there on the Thursday and the Friday, I believe. Um, has how's that change gone? Do you think it seems to have changed a few things? I mean, I noticed a few, uh, especially the younger ages, didn't do some of them didn't do the crits because they couldn't do the crits, and then the road race the next day it was too hard for a lot of them. Um, and then the TDU and then the women in particular for the TDU, the the time trial is quite close to that, so that's changed some things. Um, what is it? What has it uh, achieved from your perspective? Probably the primary thing it did was allow the bay crits to be run. But it also didn't bump it straight up against the new year. So I guess as an organization, we want to make sure that we can provide racing and people watching racing. Um, And so the Bay Crits was really important. It also allowed us to think of the event differently. I think the Friday night worked well. Yes, um, it is a tight timeline for some of the um, under-19s, but under-19 nationals used to be in three days consecutively before. So... Yes, people are choosing. I think that's what we saw. Uh, but overall, there's oh, increases in participation um, across the event. I think uh, what you'd see today is the uh, the 
total number of women's actually increased, which is which is interesting over last year. But um, but we acknowledge that it gets really close, and people do need to make decisions. So we'll continue to look at that, and we think that there's some opportunity to think of things differently next year with the calendar kind of spacing out a little bit more. I don't know how much of the racing you've actually managed to watch, but uh, what's your favourite moment from nationals? I've been asked that a few times, and I don't know if you can pick one great moment but I think what's been great to me is how many how there's almost been so many unpredictable great moments almost every day we've said you couldn't have predicted that at the end the start of the day um, even the most you know the thing that would come to you first you pro- none of them have probably been predictable this week and that's probably been the most exciting there's a, currently an existing contract with Ballarat to keep the, the nationals here until 2020 I believe I guess the question from the rest of Australia is, is there a possibility that could get moved to bit to a place like Bathurst or Sunshine Coast or, you know, all those names that have been bandied about in the on social media? Certainly we can, we'll, we'll have a process to look at that. Uh, but uh, the city of Ballarat and local community support it like no other. And uh, should other communities be interested, we'll certainly welcome the dialogue around that but uh, we'll start to go through a process and we want to have the best outcome for cycling um, and and the best event for the athletes and I think if you talk to a lot of them this weekend they think it was pretty great uh, five days but uh, but we'll we'll have an open mind and find the best outcome that that suits cycling in Australia. The other solution that might be a case is changing the course but still camping around Ballarat. Is that, is that something that's looked at to maybe offer a slightly different challenge to the riders? Yeah, each year we're obviously, we obviously had that small change to, um, to the road race course, which I, th- I think has changed it more than many people believe. But, uh, but that, that has happened. We'll look again next year, probably most keenly at the time trial. I know that's not the, the, the big event that everyone talks about, but that's probably the one we'll first start talking about. And certainly if, if Bellarat becomes uh, a host again, because that's the best option, I think we'd, we'd look really, really hard at um, what other uh, road race options there are and how those can uh, operate within the championships. It would be remiss of me not to uh, to let you go without talking about the uh, coup to get Worlds to Wollongong. Um, I know you were a big part of that. Um, can you talk about uh, the process of how that came about? Yeah, it's uh, a, a pretty exciting outcome for Australian cycling and, and certainly in New South Wales to have a, a big event there. We, we do a lot in Victoria and there's a lot of new events happening in Queensland, but to bring you know the, the biggest event to, to New South Wales is, is incredible. Um, we started talking to governments early on, uh, I guess about 16 to, to 18 months ago about the possibility. There was, a, there was quite a bit of interest at that time and New South Wales came forward as a, as a real interested party. We looked at potential uh, spots and Wollongong became just, a, I guess, the, the, uh, the perfect spot on the beach, straight down from, from Sydney. Uh, you, can be, you can jump off the plane straight there. Uh, and then the work with the council was seamless. There's some great partners there that we'll start to work with and, uh, and hopefully leave an incredible legacy for cycling in New South Wales and the, the country. So um, I guess the, the process with the UCI was ne- a big negotiation that we went through, but, but it was exciting to get there in the end.
And now there's only just a million things left to do before the actual event happens itself. <laughs> there is a million things, but uh, I guess it's back to that passion that people in Australia have around cycling, and we know that region certainly does, and people all pull together. We're going to do a great job like happened in uh, Geelong, and people still talk about Geelong quite a bit, and we need to be better than that, and I think we will be. Quick reaction, we just heard that Rowan Dennis was toppled by Luke Durbridge, um, literally as we are speaking. Um, amazing that a world champion gets beaten here. Well, it's almost ironic, our conversation, isn't it? He couldn't have predicted something each day. And while Durbo's been having a great championships, uh, certainly that ride and the, the uh, road race showed he was in pretty good form, uh, no one probably would have predicted it. He, they might have said if he had a great ride, well... He obviously has had a great ride, and there's another highlight for the week and something else to be on the uh, to be talking about this week. Cheers! Thanks for joining us, Kip. Thanks for having me. And now we'll jump into the Australian National Road Race Championships. Of course, it was, as you guys will no doubt know, an impressive um, event of racing. The number of events, which you know, just got turned entirely on their head as Kip said was amazing I mean it was it was a lot of fun to watch by the side of the road and hopefully for you guys to follow at home if you're not at, out on the race course we'll start with the time trial and go backwards because I'm contrary in that sort of way and we're just going to listen to the interviews from uh, the winners I've cut them down so it's not complete garbage that you're going to listen to. I mean, it's going to be only the relevant questions and hopefully interesting uh, content that you're listening to. But the audio quality isn't superb because obviously, you know, it's at a race and there's going to be some background noise. And there there won't be the normal discussion around the tactics and, you know... Uh, way the race played out as they normally would. Hopefully you can enjoy this. Um, I'll give a brief intro to each of the races. Yeah, enjoy. Okay, first of all we have the time trial which was taken out in spectacular fashion by Luke Durbridge of Mitchell and Scott over the world champion in Rowan Dennis and it was it was good to see Rowan there. He was in his uh, world championships kit and um, his young son was also bundled up in a world championships jersey which was adorably cute. I would have taken a picture except for the fact that I felt that I, could, I was intruding upon um, a special moment. Yeah, so Rome was second and Cameron Meyer was third and it was, yeah, a pretty good day for Mitchell and Scott all round because Grace Brown, friend of the podcast, as you will know for long-term listeners, took the win for Mitchell and Scott in the women's elite TT as well with Gracie Elvin, also Mitchell and Scott, in second and Kate Perry of Specialised Women's Racing in third, another of course, alumni of the podcast. It's good to see uh, some of our old friends uh, doing so well. Though the day didn't actually end so well for um, both Kate and her um, partner, Oscar Stevenson, who no doubt cycling aficionados will remember as an under-23 menace in the time trial. But yes, no, their car, well, Oscar's car, ended up um, needing to be towed, so that was unfortunate. Anyway, we shall dive into the interviews with Luke Durbridge and Grace Brown. How significant is it to win ahead of the world champion? 
Well, I said to him, he doesn't need it, you know? He can't wear it anyway, so he might as well let me babysit it for one year. So uh, it's significant, you know. He's a class rider and obviously destroys most fields in, in Europe. And uh, hopefully I can maybe do the same this year. <laughs> How do you sum up the week with your brother-in-law winning Sunday and you today? Oh, it's been massive, you know. Like, uh, it's something that we go out training every morning and we talk about. And for him to win the road race and uh, me to win the time trial is pretty incredible. I think uh, I think back to juniors under 19s, uh, he won the time trial and I won the road race. So that's just a bit role reversal. But uh, yeah, well, anyway, we hope to uh, hope to see Michael at Tudan Hondo. It'd be really good to see him race. So uh, I'm hopefully seeing him there. And um, yeah, good. What's next for you? Uh, for me, hopefully we can get the, uh, the South African up to do the double in Tudan Under. I look forward. It's one of my favourite races of the year. Oh, this Aussie summer just doesn't get any better and I'm just keep it going and I'm going to use my legs to support that guy as much as I can and then, uh, then we're back over to Europe for the real races, the big classics. Congratulations, <laughs> enjoy the moment. Thanks, Matty. Um, Cheers. I think it just solidifies the ride, you know. I think if Rowan wasn't here, um, I would still be very happy winning the national championships but with him not, with him being here, just just, you know, adds that extra little bit of uh, specialness to the ride. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy. And uh, I guess, yeah, third third national time trial title. I didn't think it would come again, to be honest. You know, Rowan, yeah. was, Rowan was such a level above. And then you've had Richie winning it as well. Richie is like winning. Oh, yeah. Like I, I think yeah. I mean, Hepburn beat me in yeah. 14. Yep. Richie beat me in 15. Rowan beat me in 16, 17, 18. So, like, I really yeah. just... I guess it's just sort of thinking, oh, maybe it's not going to come again. And to be honest, even this morning, I thought I was racing for second. Um, but, you know, just keep believing. Stick to your plan and a uh, bit of a slow burn. Very good. Congratulations. All right, Grace, uh, first emotions. How are you feeling at the moment? Oh, I think with the time trialling, the first emotion is always relief. Um, yeah, you, you always have an idea of what you can do and it's just a matter of executing that on the day and you know, what, what everyone else can do on the day as well. So, yeah, I'm just, I guess, relieved to get the time and um, be a national champ for the team as well. Like, we had a tough day yesterday uh, on Sunday and, um, yeah, it's really awesome that we're leaving with a national championship jersey, so. Awesome. Take us through the process of the event. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd come out here a few weeks ago um, and did a practice run and, did a time that I was really happy with, faster than I raced last year, um, and I knew if I could just replicate that, um, I'd be sweet. So I had my checkpoints and I was just pacing and keeping calm the whole way. Um, and then on the last bit, I was just gave it everything and actually came in under my time. So yeah, really happy. Can you take us through some of your preparation? <clears throat> um, I've spent a fair bit of time on the time trial bike. Um, I think I always train a bit for time trials regardless of what's coming up. Uh, it's just something that you have to keep practicing. So yeah, I feel like I'm a time trial, so I put energy into it. You really announced yourself last year uh, here at the Nationals and now this time next year, or this year rather, you've come here with a professional team now and you're really going to take that next step up to the World Tour <coughs> this year. Uh, what, what does this mean emotionally for you? Yeah, so last year I finished fourth, just six seconds off the podium and I was really disappointed with that. Um, so I came here this year really wanting to win um, and I think when you're hungry uh, it becomes a lot easier. Um, and from here... I, I sort of 
see Kat Garfoot's path as something that I can follow and like the time it took her to progress to be, you know, one of the top time trialists in the world, I think that I can follow that as well. There is a bit of a hole in the Australian side thing as well with Kat Garfoot gone. Um, they're looking for that next uh, really good time trialist. Uh, can you feel that goal? Well, I hope so. Um, I'll definitely work towards it. If you don't uh, dream, it'll never come. So, yeah. So does that mean like Tokyo 2020 is on the, in your mind? Definitely Tokyo is on my mind. Um, it's going to be really hard to make that team. Obviously, we've got so many strong riders at the mo moment. Um, but I think if I put my hand up for the time trial, it gives me a little bit extra. So what does this season look like for you, Grace? What are your goals and your plans? Um, <laughs> because it's my first full pro season, um, it's really a matter of getting through and learning as much as possible and um, hopefully finishing the season as a better cyclist and I'm sure that will happen. Um, I don't have any massive goals um, in terms of races that I'm targeting but I'd love to make the uh, world champs team again um, and probably yeah do a domestic role there but yeah it's all part of the development. <laughs>former members of the podcast getting up at National Assembly so far. Sarah Gigante, of course. Her road race win was amazing and it trumped anything that I might possibly say. But anyway, she's she's been a she's been a rider that I've steered away from in the past because I don't like to give too much attention to under 18-year-olds because I, th I feel that it creates a bit too much pressure on them. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I missed the boat on Sarah because she's, you know, just a bubbly, effervescent personality who's very well able to deal with this fame and fortune. Well, you'll hear from Cam Cameron Meyer first, then Sarah Gigante, then Nick White. What's your reaction, Cam? It's so close, but so far. I'm trying not to, not to cry too much. Um, I think I've been every position bar first and like, had every opportunity. And I don't know if I'm more upset at myself or letting my teammates down a little bit, but I bluffed a little bit in the final there. I, I knew the legs had, had one kick in them and Freeberg went early and I was hoping he wouldn't when he when he was coming I tried to play the bluff on on Harper and I had to get to as close to the line as I could with one kick and it was too much for my legs today and it's all a bit much at the moment. Yeah, um, with that race radio, you're unaware that Freeberg was coming up from behind, like did that catch you by surprise uh, or did you have a feeling because you'd slowed he would be there? No, I... I knew he was going to ride tempo, I knew he didn't have the acceleration on that last lap and he was at 20 seconds and I knew he'd keep plugging away and then he's a big boy, you get that roll coming down the home straight and I've seen guys come back in that final if you fox too much. The problem is I, I didn't have anything to to really push to the line. Um, so I had to play cat and mouse and uh, it didn't work. You can 
can still be very proud of your efforts. So do you think your condition that you're in and that it's a good field, you're still on the podium, or is it hard to make, accept that now? Yeah, it's hard. It, it's hard to accept for me. I mean, I, like I've been on the podium before, so I'm, I've been wanting that green and gold for a long time, and. Um, yeah, I know, I know it's a good ride and it'll take a while for that to, to settle in. It was a big day. You can see by the way it finished, it finished trips and drabs everywhere. So it was a tough day out there and hopefully my 12th time lucky next year. Thanks, guys. I'm so happy. Like, so, so, so happy. <laughs> Just can't believe it. I didn't expect to win under 23s. So I was hoping for a medal. Maybe a win if I was really lucky, but I didn't think I'd be able to beat Jamie Gunning or Lizzie Stannard. So, yeah, to win under 23s, that would have been amazing, but to win elite, like, I can't believe it. Like, in the breakaway, I had some of my idols, Chloe Hosking and Sarah Roy, were there, and just to be doing turns with them, riding near them, I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then <laughs> when I heard that three Mitchelton Scott girls were chasing us with a lap to go, I was like, Oh, my idols are chasing me. <laughs> like, it was just amazing. It just felt so cool. Yeah, you, you, you make that break on that corner. What was going through your head when you suddenly realised you've got a gap on Shara Gillow and Sarah Roy? Well, I was pretty surprised, to be honest, because I was actually losing ground through most of the corners. Yeah. So the first thing that went through my mind was, wow, that was a good corner. Yeah. And secondly, I was like, oh, they're going to play cat and mouse now. Because I knew yeah. Sarah Roy, was, like, she was being... Well, obviously it was her team tactic, but it was a bit annoying how she was sitting on Shara yeah. and me. So I was like, oh, this is great. Like, she's going to sit on Shara now. Shara won't want to waste energy with Sarah right on her wheel. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. I just have to go. Because I was going to go on the last climb. Yeah. I felt really good on the climbs. So I was like, well, it's only 5K earlier. And I've yeah. got the gap. I may as well just go for it. So was it a planned move or did it just happen you got a bit of a gap out of a corner and then you, could, you knew what their situation would be and you just went for it? Yeah, definitely I was planning on going on the last climb yeah. if I could. But I wasn't planning on going through the camp, the Fed Uni campus at all. Yeah. That was a complete surprise. Yeah. And when did you know that you were a chance to win? Because as you say, you're racing against your idols. Yeah. When did it start dawning on you that you weren't racing against your idols, you were going to beat your idols? <laughs> well, I thought I might have a small chance by the time I got to the, the, like three quarters way up the hill. I was yeah. like, okay, even if they catch me, then I'll probably be able to hang on. Mm. And I thought they'd outsprint me, but yeah. I was like, oh, I might get a medal, like yeah. this is amazing. And then when I was going through the uni and I, there was still a car behind me, so it meant there was still quite a big gap to the next person. I was like, this is incredible. Like, I think I am going to get a medal. And then when I came down, like after I did the last corner, I was just all downhill. And I was like, just don't, don't give up. Just keep going. Yeah, I just can't believe it. And then- How pain were you in there? Oh, a lot. I was dying. Even like, the first couple of laps like we weren't going slowly and it was one of the longest races I've done I've done a couple longer but I don't often ride that far so yeah I was in a lot of pain <laughs> um, you've got you're so well set up you've got your scholarship mm. and you've got a lot happening on and off the bike what does the future hold for you in the wake of this we keep asking you <laughs> this question it keeps changing yeah I have no idea um, what will happen I just keep having fun uh, on the back, working hard off the back with yeah. my studies. So I'm doing a Bachelor of Science this yep. year. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. And also, 
hopefully racing a bit overseas this year, so yeah. should be good. Do you dare to think about maybe the national team, Olympics, world championships? Oh, I think that's... Now you're, now, you're now the national champion. That's a long way in the future if it's ever in my future, so I think I'll just stay grounded for now. I'm only yeah. 18. I'll just keep having fun. Fantastic. Congratulations, Nick. Thank you. Cheers. way to start the new year. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't think of anything better. To uh, be able to do this in my hometown is um, something else and have all the supporters. I was getting the shakes going around the last lap with everyone yelling out my name. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty surreal feeling. It hasn't really sunk in what's happened yet. Can you talk about how those last few laps unfolded from your perspective? Um, well, I had the whole team uh, riding the front for me and they did an unreal effort uh, to get me around. Um, and even coming down to the bell lap when I had four guys there with me, I knew I was definitely in with a chance and it was yeah, starting to feel like this could be a reality, that this could be mine. And Last time over the climb, it was uh, super hard, but after all the effort the boys put in, I knew I needed to be up the front with those two guys. Um, so yeah, to be able to give them a reward and to be able to win this is yeah pretty special. Who created that move on the last one? Uh, Michael Potter was the first to go, um, and then yeah, I jumped straight on him. It was really hard to follow. Uh, then Sam Jenner came across, and yeah, it was just us three pretty much to the finish from there. Were you worried about the bunch catching you at the end there? Um, yeah, I was reasonably worried. I wasn't sure how far they were behind until I looked back with probably a K to go and could just see them. Um, but at that stage, I knew we'd probably stay away and then 500 to go, I was a bit nervous. They looked like they were coming at us pretty quick. Um, sorry. But yeah, uh, once Michael hit out, it was just kind of focus on the finish and don't worry about what's behind you. <laughs> Um, it's been not entirely easy for you. I mean, I know you injured your knee a few weeks ago and um, people I talked to about your training said that you, know, you hadn't been in super hot form coming into this. So did you surprise yourself a bit? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I hadn't been doing great numbers in training and it was always a bit worrying, but and I kept annoying my coach Pat Shaw about it, saying, oh, I'm not feeling good, mate. I'm not sure about this. Um, and all he could say to me was, uh, have faith in the process. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, he was really important and huge factor into what happened today. So yeah, it was uh, pretty cool. And a lot of people always had faith in me and they're the kind of people that got me through. And personally, you've developed um, a lot in the last year. You've gone to being one of the top riders in domestic racing in Australia. Now you're um, showing it against some of the uh, top top riders in the under 23, some move from international ranks. So, are you ready to take that next step, then? Yeah, for sure. Like, well, I guess the next steps next week with Tour Down Under. Um, and yeah, there was probably a lot of people that thought I got pretty lucky getting in the spot. So I knew I had a point to prove coming here today. Um, and yeah, so to be able to win the race is pretty special. Working our way back to the start and we finally got back to the Criterium where it was a win in the Elite Women's for Beck Wysak over Sarah Roy of Mitchell and Scott and Ruby Rose McGannon of the VIS. And then in the men's it was Brenton Jones who took a breakthrough win. Uh, beating out Tristan Ward just there on the line of Better Long Swiss Wellness. In third was Jay McCarthy of Bora Hansgrohe. Unfortunately, the interview with Beck, the sound got corrupted there, so I've lost that. But if you want to find out more about that, I wrote an article for SBS Cycling Central, so you can go there and 
find out what I wrote. It was one of my better articles of the weekend. Yeah, apart from that, we've just got Brenton Jones of Delco Marseille, Provence. Oh, I almost forgot to mention the under-23s races, where it was Ruby Rose McGannon, who won the under-23 women's as by virtue of finishing third in the elites. And it was Jared Drisner's from Inform TM Insight Make, who took the win in the under-23 men's, capping off what was, well, actually starting what it was an amazing... Um, he came fifth in the road race as well and was very impressive there after you know, having a, a setback on the early laps with a mechanical. I'll sign off here as well because yeah, and it's now on to the women's TDU. Uh, we'll have an episode for you after that. And yeah, follow along on Twitter, uh, Breakdown Podcast, at Breakdown Pod, or you can follow find us on Facebook. And of course, uh, make sure you follow my writing mostly for Cycling Central online. Okay, see you later. We'll leave you with Brenton Jantz. Don't think it's sunk in yet. I think it will later on tonight when I when I sit down and see the, the green and gold jersey in my bedroom. I think it's quite special and a lot of a lot of hard work and perseverance over the years to get to the top step. It's been um, it's been a challenge, but to finally get there is a massive reward for everyone that's helped and supported me along the way. Um, and I guess a, a pat on the back to myself for just persevering and, and not letting you know um people distract me from from never trying to get to that top step and i have tonight and that's fantastic massively uh i think i'm i'm one of the best criterion riders and obviously tonight's proved i i am the best at the tonight as a australian criterion rider and i have been for many years and to finally prove that is fantastic and um i'm really, really happy what's your record in the nationals i think two seconds and two thirds yeah. and, and now win so been a consistent member on the podium and um, it's really special to take the top step. Um, you've always done things the hard way, you've gone onto a French team last year to prove that you're good enough to make that step up um, and done it here hard in this particular race as well. Um, how do you, how do you, is that just your character that shines in these situations? For sure, I think um, I'm 27 now, just turned 27 and still chasing that world tour contract and I hope to have that in 2020, that's my goal. My manager and I are working towards that and I think this year started off quite well and I think a result like this is going to give me confidence for the rest of the season and I'm happy to be in a French team that gives me great opportunity overseas and does force me to work hard for it. So when I hopefully one day do make it to that top level that I'm, I'm dreaming of making it to, um, it comes much easier to do the hard work at that, at that level. Um, obviously Caleb pulling out, that sort of changes I guess the dynamic of the, the race to an extent. What was your reaction? I mean it was probably not unexpected, but he's, you know, you two are such big rivals. Yeah. What was, what was, <coughs> how, how did you adjust mentally when you knew he wasn't starting? Um, just race it like every other race I guess, you've got to be here to win it and um, Caleb was here, not here tonight, focusing on Sunday's race, which is fair enough, he wants the green and gold for the road race and he's got a chance to do that, probably a better chance than I have, so mm. for him to concentrate on that is probably a, a smart move after racing head to toe. Head to, head to head with me at the Bay Crits as well as a vicious series so yeah. I saw Caleb last night after dropping off his suitcase from taking it from, from Williamstown for him and he said uh, good luck tomorrow night mate and I think that gave me the heads up that he wasn't going to be here tonight.